Today's episode of In the Trenches is brought to you by System 12 Guitar Method. Sign up today at lionroxy.com. The trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello, 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 and welcome to a, another episode, a special episode of In the Trenches. I am your host, Ryan Roxy. How you doing? As everybody files into the live chat, uh, we do appreciate you showing up, especially on our YouTube official channel, which is Ryan Roxy Official. If this is your first time coming here, just hit that subscribe button right there. And if you are listening to us on any of the audio broadcasts, we do appreciate it. We really do, whether it's Spotify or Apple, any of those. We love it, but we want you over at our YouTube official channel because then you can see our faces. You can see us talking. And, of course, you could be part of the live chat that we have going on right now. So you can see from the smile on my face. I'm excited today because we have a special episode of In the Trenches. We have one of the all-time OGs of one of Heavy Metal's most iconic bands. I'm talking founding member, all right? There's a certain energy that these guys have when they're a founding member. It's unique. After all, they know all the legendary stories because they helped create them. They know all the classic songs because they friggin' recorded them. So here to talk about all things Judas Priest past and KK's Priest future, especially the new release that might be out as you're watching this or coming out shortly. It's Sermons of the Sinner. That's the name of the album from KK's Priest Future. Welcome into the trenches, guitarist KK Downing. Hello, KK. Hey, Ryan. Hi, everybody. Yeah, thanks (laughs) for having me on the show. Real cool to be with you. Well, it was great to write that intro because you are the original OG, man. You're the original gangsta, man. You were there from the very, very beginning. Yes, yeah, some years and miles on the clock, Ryan, that's for sure. <laughs> well, you look great. You look great. You're gods of metal. You're, you obviously are a metal god. Uh, I am rock and roll, and this is rock and roll church. But you know what? I do, not, I do not have KK's priest on the back of my shirt, but you seem to have some Alice Cooper on the back of your shirt because we we figured out before we started taping that we played on the same show. There it is. Yeah, what year is that, Brian? Oh my God, 2004, something like that. Was yeah. that Bologna? Is it 2004? Oh. You can see it. No. Yeah, there something you like go. Yeah. See, these are the type of things that you're missing. If you're only listening to us on an audio platform, folks, you got to get into the uh, Ryan Roxy Live uh, YouTube channel and uh, Ryan Roxy Official. So there we go. We're going to run things a little bit different. Um, I want to run things by topic because I know your time is important and I want to get a lot of information in, in a short amount of time if that's possible. And of course, out of the gate, because everybody knows where you come from and where you are right now with KK's Priest, I want to get the word out about the new album. That's Either by the time they watch this, it's already out or will be released shortly. Sermons of the Sinner. This is the new album that you've put together. Um, out of the gate, where did the title come from, and what was the inspiration behind it? Are you the sinner? Could be. Uh, <laughs> I, in a lot of people's eyes, I think I am, you know. So uh, <laughs> it's very, very ambiguous, the whole thing, you know. That, that could be me in the cloak, or 
you know, it could be a demon in the in the cloak, or maybe I am the demon. I don't know, but um, yeah, obviously, lots of people might think it relates to the song, the sinner. Obviously, lots of people see me wailing the guitar about, you know, doing long-winded kind of uh, improvised solos, doing that, having loads of fun, um, you know. But uh, you know, maybe some people. I think I just want to kind of. Uh, squash the idea that really that I am actually a sinner and maybe I'm a pretty good guy really deep down you know um I guess my exit from priest in 2010 um I think there's lots of misinformation going about of how all of that happened and so some people you know look at me maybe as the sinner but um so the sermons that I've produced now will explain everything to everyone and, okay okay uh, you are welcome to you're very you're very much welcome to confess your sins here today in the trenches. We applaud it. Ryan's <laughs> podcast. Um, no, I think I'll let the album do that for me, really. But there's the album's so full of emotions and messages, and it's all about rejoicing this love of this great music that we've, uh, you know, that um, come about through this evolution throughout the decades. Um, Ryan, I know you've been there. Alice has certainly been there, you know, um, with us on, on the long journey. But uh, it's quite something that's been created. And we've uh, obviously made a lot of good friends along the way. Obviously, all of the fans are very good friends, you know, um, all of us guys in different bands. You know, we've lived a life together and journeyed together. So Sermons of the Sinner is, um, you know, it's a compilation of, uh, I said, lots of emotions, mixed emotions, lots of things. A couple of warnings as well, you know, that uh, huh. maybe, maybe we have to put a red flag up that, you know, maybe our, our treasured um, music may be, may be in a little bit of um, jeopardy, you know, because us dinosaurs, we're not going to be here forever, Ryan, right? You know, no, uh, there, there is definitely, there's there's definitely a change coming. It's yeah. storm a-brewing, if you will. And yeah. So I touch on that subject, actually, in the song, Sermons of the Sinner, you know, where, you know, to keep, keep this wonderful thing alive, you know, that's being created, you know, this wonderful um, style of music that actually... Um, and um, I'm not sure about you, Ryan, but certainly Alice, you know, we remember being back in the 60s as teenagers and none of this existed, you know, heavy metal, heavy rock, hard rock, even, rock, even rock didn't exist back then, you know, when we first started going. And, um, and I do tell the story for the first, you know, how many years, six years? Yeah, that's it. In that band, we were playing songs. And nobody really knew how to define it, so we, we couldn't get a record deal and we couldn't get gigs to be fair. It was quite tough because we It was were, definitely tough. You were you were literally in the trenches when you guys started for I'd say the first eight years or so. You know, I'm I'm gonna go on to that when I reach on my my uh, next topic, but I'm still hyped about the new album because I want get people to um get aware of Sermons of the Sinner. I want everyone to um, basically find out about KK's Priest lineup because I know that you have uh, Tim Ripper Owens is, is singing on this one as well. So yeah. you, you have 
definite history with with uh, Ripper as well. And who else is in the band? And, and talk about the recording process of how you made this record through these very tumultuous times. Yeah, well, obviously, uh, Ripper was uh, definitely the first port of call. Obviously, we, we worked together, you know, for a long period. And, and Jim so graciously stepped in to save, you know, Judas Priest for a, a long period, uh, almost a decade. And, um, and, you know, we're very grateful to him, you know, for, uh, for doing that for us. Um, but, yeah, so I gave Ripper, everybody knows uh, what, what a great singer he is, and, but also how dedicated he is, you know, in the metal world and how revered he is in the metal world. And um, I recruited a, a younger guitar player. When I say younger, he's easily half my age. So there's some new blood, <laughs> there's some new blood in the band. Um, Everyone's younger than us these days, JKK. <laughs> so, so that's good. But I've, I've known AJ, AJ Mills. Um, we grew up in the same area, even though he's much younger. Um, but I've known him. He was in uh, a band that I helped do a couple of albums with called Hostile. So, and he's now very much like, um, you know, he may have started out as an understudy, you know, to me, but now, obviously, as people will hear, um, we, 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 we're quite similar in ways, and, uh, and obviously, we bounce off each other and trade off solos like there's no tomorrow, so that's really exciting, and um, unfortunately, um, I did play a show with AJ and um, with, um, with Ripper and Les Binks on drums from the 70s, did some great work with us, you know, in Judas Priest, and um, he's a great drummer. But unfortunately, um, when he came to put the album down, Les sustained uh, an injury in, in his wrist and, and couldn't really play for hours on end. So he was unable to make the journey with us. So we gave Sean Elk from San Diego, who had been playing with Ripper in, in the Three Tremors around the world, um, mm -hmm. We checked his videos out and I said, Tim, we've got to give this guy a call. He's amazing. And he truly is. And, um, and our bass player, he's a wonderful bass player. He's great. Obviously, Tony Newton. Um, you know, Tony's been around and done a lot of things. He started actually, he started the album Voodoo Six with uh, Richie Faulkner, no less, all of those years ago. And, um, and so Tony does a lot of things. He records, uh, Iron Maiden records a lot of their material and works a lot, you know, with the guys in their studio. And so it was great to have Tony on board because Tony's got a lot of strings to his bow. But uh, the main strings that uh, I was interested in, obviously, are on the bass guitar and he's a demon. So <laughs> that was a great band. You know, there's some videos out there now. I think there's three videos already out and there's a, a fourth one coming soon. So people are able to get a good taste of what the, what the band will appear to be like live. Great. I, I think the fact that there's so many intertwining relationships through rock and roll is what kind of keeps the spirit alive. And Because then it, it doesn't make age such a factor. It means, look, you can be playing with someone half your age, but you still have the same influence. And especially if those influences happen to be you, you are able to really you know, cross pollinate and make this type yeah. of music. 
it's exactly that, and, it, and it's great to have some some younger blood and um, and have people that really want to play this music and they're passionate about the music. As we touched on before, Ryan, about you know keeping it all alive. Um, you know, um, like I say, sadly we're losing friends along the way, and and it's more likely to accelerate than decelerate. You know, so the time will come, and we don't want this beloved music of ours to be just a page in a history book in 30 or 40 years or whenever it might be, sooner or later. We, we want to inspire some young and older musicians, you know, to get on board. And um, and, and, and as the lyrics uh, go in the song sermons of the sinner, you know, um, hopefully these sermons, you know, they can help us rise again. And um, so, you know, so... If we can continue to make songs like this and albums like this, you know, we got we have a new Iron Maiden album coming, we have a new Scorpions album coming. Right. So there's lots of good things as well, you know. Um, it's just unfortunate sometimes you hear people say, "Oh yeah, you know that music, it's been done." You know, that's only for the people that were there at the time, and it's sad to hear that, you know, because it's it's certainly not the case. You know, there's plenty of music. And songs uh, to be written and sung yet, you know. I I think you're doing it exactly right. I, I consider you, and this is not a disparaging term at all. Your group is is like the uh, the wise elders that like the the Yodas of rock and roll, if you will, that are going to pass on all this information, this spirit to the younger generation. I think the best way that you're doing it is releasing new albums and new material like Sermons of the Sinner, because there's, I mean, you, there's no way that you don't let uh, that Ripper rip on this album. I, I, I listened to the first single this morning on YouTube and I mean, did you push him to go to the octaves level <laughs> double Z? <laughs> no, he uh, Ripper knows where I like. You know, I've always been uh, a big fan of the higher register ever since Deep Purple in Rock in 1970, I think it was. You know, I got that album and I'm thinking, this is the type of singer, I, you know, because Ian Gillen back then, you know, he was he was pretty pretty special and pretty groundbreaking. You know, a lot came after that, you know. Um, but, yeah, there's very few guys in the world that can do, you know, um what's what's re required really in a band like this you know and ripper's definitely you know at the, at the top of uh of everest when it comes to uh, this style of vocal for sure definitely the top of his range way top of my range like on a, on a really good day <laughs> the thing is about you know moving from vocals to guitar which is sort of what I like to talk about as well, um, that signature sound that, that you've obviously helped establish throughout the years, that twin guitar sound you're known for is like a successful formula. Do you think that that's a successful formula that won't ever lose appeal on a good metal album? And Yeah, I think because when I first started, you know, I mean, it was pure by accident that Ben was invited to join the band because we... After, after many years, we actually got a, a record deal as a four-piece, you know, and I was the only songwriter and uh, guitar player. Um, and uh, But the record company says, we've signed, so many bands have been signed as a four-piece. There's Led Zeppelin, there's Black Sabbath, there's, there's Free, and, and a lot of other bands. 
you know, how about you guys have a saxophone player? Well, I nearly went out and, you know, uh, <laughs> jumped off a cliff. I'm going, no way. Keyboard player, no way. Um, you know, um, but I was kind of interested to have another guitar player because, you know, I'd, I'd heard bands with two guitar players, but they were all kind of like kind of uh, more, a lot more melodic. And a lot of the bands were kind of from the West Coast in the States, you know, you know, with uh, the Grateful Dead and the James Gunn, Dickie Betts and different guys, you know. Um, but in England, we had a band called uh, Wishbone Ash, you know. Because um, yeah. even back then, Thin Lizzy was still a one guitar player band because we played a lot of shows with Thin Lizzy as a three-piece, you know, uh, with, Eric, with Eric Bell as the guitar player, you know, from Whiskey in the Jar. So... This is the history, guys. We'll have to get. Back. I love it. Let's go. Well, you've been. You're part of that history, man. That's the thing. A lot of people might not realize. It is now currently for you, KK. It's KK's yeah. priest. But so, you were around since 1969, folks. You know, you were the one guy that made it. That yeah. I think Vic, our producer, put up a picture of a, of an earlier lineup. You're still that yeah. guy. You're still, you know, you're still, you were there all throughout. And then it, it took a little while until you said that the, those, uh, those bigger records started happening, but you stuck it through. And, um, a lot of people might not even know that the name of the band was written or was named after a Bob Dylan song. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it, it was, yeah. The song Frankie Lane and Judas Priest, you know, um, all of those years ago. And, um, like I say, I tell the story. I was just a, a teenager, probably 17, and I saw this van, an old van, going on the estate where I lived. And it had in spray paint Judas Priest, and a long haired guy was at the wheel like this. And I'm thinking, shit, I want to be in that van. I want to be in that van. I want to go where they're going, you know. And I actually went for an audition uh, for that band. And it's a very tragic story because the blues band before that, the guitar player, unfortunately, That's the story true. goes, um, committed suicide at the young age of, of 18. It was just 18, you know. And so, so the guys were looking to form a new band and they needed a guitar player. And I auditioned for Judas Priest. But that was going to be the name of the band. But they were, looking for, they were looking for a blues player, you know, which I wasn't because... I was already into Hendrix and the Cream and long improvised solos and stuff like that, you know. And so I didn't get the job. So they formed Judas Priest <laughs> with a guy called Ernie Chatterway, who was a very good guitar player, um, you know, who was a bit older than me and more experienced. And they went on the road for a year and then and then it all fell apart. And mm. then by then, a year later, I was rehearsing with Ian and our drummer, John Ellis, because we didn't have a singer. And the singer from that, the original Judas Priest, Al Atkins, came into the rehearsal rooms and he says, you guys looking for a singer? And I went, hell yes, we are. And I'm thinking, is this my way into Judas Priest? That last can we borrow the name? Can we, can we borrow the name as well? <laughs> so we went straight up to the pub, which was next to the rehearsal rooms. It's, this is true. And we sat there and I was really playing it cool. So I knew the subject would come up. I was so excited because we're a band. We had a singer and Al was good. He had a good stage presence, you know, and he was good. And so I was so happy. And we, uh, and, and we came onto the subject about the band's name. And I was like, oh, yeah, 
oh yeah, it's tough to think of original stuff. But he's like, I'm thinking, well, hang on, Al, what about what about Judas Priest? You know, <laughs> playing it really cool, thinking, say yes, you bastard. Oh, I'm gonna, you know, it's say yes, Al, please. You know, agreed to it, and he went, oh yeah, okay. Well, if you think that, if you think it's a cool name, I go, let's do it. You know, well played, KK. Well played. You you played your hand exactly right. You timed it. You did it. And all of a sudden, now what? Whatever happened to the van? And, and, you- and I, obviously, we went on successfully. We did a lot of shows. We were very busy. We never made money, but we were we were playing a lot of shows, and we were doing this nondescript music. But myself and Al was writing really, you know, songs that would become victim of changes and you know, um, Cheetah and stuff like that, you know. Um, so, um, and we only played our own material. We played a couple of obscure covers, right. you know, but we didn't want to play covers, you know. Uh, we played a couple of covers by a band called Quatermass, and they didn't have a guitar player. They were just a three-piece with a keyboard, you know. And so, but we wanted to play our own original music, and it was all about being original then, but what the, what the music we were playing was to become heavy metal, but we didn't know that at the time, you know. But I was definitely on that road, you know, because anything blues had to go. It had to be this music that was reorientated, you know. And that well, I mean, was in my mind to do. I think everybody that's the hardcore purists they know what eventually happened with the band and the evolution of it what happened my initial question was the van that you saw driving across it said judas priest spray painted whatever happened to that van did you able were you able to tour in that no no that went <laughs> i think that i think that went with the roadie because the roadie that was driving it was a guy called john ward and he was from the same town and he went on to be a road manager of Deep Purple and stuff like that. He was very successful, and I haven't seen him for many years, but I hope he's well and doing good. Yeah, and, and if you have that van, that a little bit of inspiration, because you saw it driving by your estate, and you said, yeah. I'm going to be in that I'm going to be in that van, I'm going to be in that band, and then there it was. I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the, the metal gods were looking down upon me, but... You see, I heard this music because when I was when I was young, like 13, 12, 13, my sisters were listening to Elvis and the Beatles and all that stuff, but there was no music for me, you know, um, you know, and uh, which was sad. There was didn't seem to be a music that was befitting of um, like white working class kids like myself. That yeah. were, we were also suffering like oppression you know, at school and in the family. Um, um, and we were going through the rigors of all of that, exactly, in my hometown, West Bromwich. And uh, that's quite, that's, that, that, that's Queen Street down there. And down there, there's a cafe, which is really quite famous, called the Casa Bamboo. And all the musicians used to hang about in there, you okay. know, even before I was in the band, you know, and, and Robert is that Platt. is that pub that you were talking about? Is it right around the corner from there, uh, Vic? Um, <laughs> yeah, which is a cafe, you know. So uh, Robert Plant, Robert Plant, uh, obviously, he married a girl from this town, Maureen, his first his wife. So you'd see Robert and his brother, who was in a band um, called Possessed, 
Uh, that's a tragic story. I won't go there. But Maureen's brothers, Bruce, and, um, you know, they used to hang about in, you know, it's quite an infamous place that you would go and you got no money, but you'd sit there all day drinking a coffee, just talking about music. It was a hangout, you know. Playing but, music, yeah. hanging out, writing songs back in those days. You know, you're writing songs, obviously, as a group. And I'm, I'm going to bring yeah. it full circle up until today in the new album, Sermons, Sermons of the Sinner, that you just uh, completed is coming out right now, folks. If you'd like, we are hanging out with K.K. Downing. Again, if you're listening to us on one of those audio broadcast formulas, what are you doing? Come on over to our YouTube official channel and uh, check out the man himself, K.K. Downing, uh, from K.K.'s Priest. But talking about songwriting as opposed from them to today, like perhaps the Ingve Malmsteen approach where, you know, he insists on doing very tight control and having everything sort of done his way for the end product. Um, do you tend to have that same sort of thing? I, I want it my way, the highway, or do you work with like a team and let the chemistry unfold and, and, you know, as you yeah. did like in priest. Yeah, obviously um, in the very early days, it was just myself and Al Atkins. We would sit down as a team and, and write stuff. Um, and we were pretty prolific, really. You know, we thought what we were doing was really good. Um, <laughs> it was, you know, trust me. <laughs> obviously that last year, Rob was in the band, so myself and Rob would uh, write, write stuff. Um, you know, and then... And we did a lot of gigs, you know, as a four-piece with Rob. You know, we play, uh, we we did well. You know, uh, we went overseas and stuff. And uh, but then, um, you know, going back to the idea of having another guitar player, I had this this idea that it seemed to make sense to have two guitar players because what happened was most bands were staying away from that because usually you had a lead player and a rhythm player like. Exactly. Cliff Richard and the Shadows, you know, whatever. But so I'm thinking, well, what if we both lead players? That adds a lot of strength. So when I solo, you know, uh, there's a, a, a rhythm chunking away. We can do, and I had this idea of doing like some, what I determined then as like, not, because every time you, you obviously, you create harmonies, it sounds a bit more melodic and a bit more kind of poppy and, and commercial. So I had this idea to do heavy harmonies, which, which is, you know, um, doesn't really exist. But myself and Glenn, we would sit down and we would, we would, we would do obscure. We wouldn't, we wouldn't go to the textbook to create these harmonies, you know. And so right. we did some things. It wasn't your normal. Oh, you play the, you know, I'll play the root and you play the third, or you play the. Fifth. You it went like. It, it wasn't trial and error. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it wasn't, you know, parallel or, you know, uh, like like you said, third above, third below. It wasn't that. We just were listening to what we, and we created some pretty unique stuff. Hard to kind of remember because there was no kind of set, set formula, you know, we just had to, uh, this is the days before we had little recording machines. Do you remember? Do you remember <laughs> that? When, when we would sit down to write a song, we had to play it until we fell asleep so we could wake up the next day and remember what we did the day before. We didn't have a way to record that. And, you know, it wasn't until about a year ago I had, I had an interview in England with Robert Plant 
saying exactly that and I'm thinking, do you know what? I've forgotten all about that. We weren't able to record our ideas. We just used to have to store them in our memory banks and if we forgot them, we would hope that somebody else in the band would remember, you know, uh, what we were playing and how it went. Perhaps some of those dual, you know, those harmony lines were different when you wrote them from then the time that you recorded them because just because, you know, it yeah, eventually has, it was a process. Yeah, that, that, that would definitely would change. You know, we just have to, sometimes you forget what you did originally. You just have to start again. And so, um, yeah, we didn't have recording apparatus. Weirdly well, that, enough. The, the thing is, you and, you and Glenn were two of the pioneers that, that of a band that came out that had two proper lead players with two yeah. distinct styles. I remember yeah, yeah. that for sure, coming out like, okay. And going back to what you said as a question, you know, lots of things came then and followed on as being synonymous with with heavy rock and heavy metal, and that was the twin guitar. Flying V is definitely is a staple guitar now for a, for a metal band, has been for a long time, you know, and... Um, and do you think maybe you're... Do you think maybe, I mean... I don't want to pat you on the back too much, but I'm going to definitely give you credit where credit's due. I think you're kind of responsible for for elevating the Flying V to being the yeah. quintessential heavy metal guitar. Yeah. Right? yeah. Well, what, well, I mean, who else? Who else? I mean, I know Shanker, but but Shanker was after you, right? Michael Shanker. Yeah. Oh. The, the, the Scorpions guys, they were there at the very beginning, you know, okay. because... The 1967 Flying V, they only made 111 of them, you know, and Jimi Hendrix had one, Mark, Mark Golden had one, uh, Andy Powell from um, Wishbone Ash had one, uh, one of the guys in the Kinks had one, Dave Davis. You know, so they went around. So we're, so we're down to we're down to about 105 left. So which one did you when did you get your first Flying V? They were very rare. They were really rare and hard to come by. So I saw mine in a shop in Birmingham. and Was it in the window? Yes, it was. was. That's what they were made for. In 1958, they were made to be put in the windows. I'm thinking, Jesus, it's in the window and it's for sale. I've got to have it. And it was 500 pounds. You know, I'm thinking I don't have that sort of money. How can I get it so hot? I had to trade in my SG for it, you know, uh, which was heartbreaking. But the story goes because I went in, I went in and um, and bought the guitar, you know, uh, the next day. And and Michael Schenkel will tell you the story. He came up to Birmingham to buy that guitar, but I <laughs> went and bought it early that day and he never lets me forget it. He'll say, oh, KK, you'll have my guitar. And I'm going, no, Michael, it's mine. Because it's I think, I think, UFO, I think UFO, UFO came up and they played a gig and it was on a Sunday and it was closed. I think it was on the weekend. The shop was closed. But Michael saw the, saw the guitar as well and he came up to buy it on the train and Brit had gone. I went in there and, and now, bought the guitar. Is this at the time where you're still in a one guitar player band, or was this by the time had Glenn started playing with you? Because I I, I wonder if always if that was ever yeah. a thing like okay you're going to play the V I'm going to play this sort of this yeah. style of guitar. Well, I wanted to play V because back then there was only the 
obviously there was a very limited edition in 1958 that you couldn't find them anywhere. 1967, you couldn't find them anywhere. That's the one with the more pointed headstock, you know, which, but I found one, which was unbelievable. Uh, and then after that, they did a run of 500 in 1970 to 71, but they were hard to find as well, you know. So, but yeah, I think, um, I think Glenn was in the band by the time I got my first loop, but I, as soon as I saw it, this is the guitar that suits the style of music that I'm playing, gotta have it. It was odd and people thought that they were odd and people thought that they were kind of a gimmick, you know. Um, but, to me, but to me, it was the be all and the end all, you know, flying bee. That I cool. love I love the fact that we're kind of going off on little tangents here because in the trenches you can do yeah. a lot of things. You know, we yeah. don't have to stick to a format, but that. Uh, but at this point, I think it's a good it's a good time because we do have a section of the show called the one that got away. And what because we're talking about such these classic iconic guitars, and you are sort of the godfather of the flying V, bringing it into heavy metal prominence. Uh, yeah. We have a little section of the show called the one that got away. I think it's time to run that right now Vic why don't you do that Hello, folks. We are hanging out with KK Downing of KK's Priest. But check this out. This question for you, because it's, it's a perfect segue. We've been talking about guitars, and the one that got away is basically about a piece of gear, maybe an instrument, maybe an amplifier, that at one point in your career was lost, stolen, or you had to sell it for whatever reason, but you wish you had that guitar or amp or whatever it could be a chorus unit i don't care kk downing what is the one that got away for you well um i think what happened to me um obviously when i was very young people know that i was a, a huge Jimi hendrix fan and i was you know and um and when the band split up noel already informed a band called fat mattress you know, and Noel was playing guitar. And uh, and the band played at a club called Mothers in Erdington. I might have the police come around after me after this, but <laughs> you know, and, uh, no, I think I think so the statute of limitations has run out. So you're safe telling this story. Let's hear it. <laughs> so so what happened was backtracking, I saw Jimi Hendrix at both shows at the Royal Albert Hall, you know, and uh, in sixty eight I think that was. So um, I was there and, and I got in for the sound check and the roadie came on stage and he emptied a big box of Crybaby Wire Pedals and he emptied a big box of Dallas Arbiter Fuzz Faces, the round one, you know. I remember those Fuzz Faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the face looking at Vic, do you have a picture of that right now? Uh, no, our producer says no, he doesn't. A Fuzz Face, you know, the Fuzz Face. <laughs> and so what happened was and Noel was playing and I was right at the front because the, the stage was only six inches high, you know, it was at a club. And I looked down and I saw this red fuzz face and I'm thinking, that has got to be one of Jimmy's. That's got to be one of Jimmy's. And I'm thinking, I'm going to steal this. I'm going to nick it. it. You nicked and it. My eyes were glued to this, you know. So, so after the show was over, they were packing up, the bags were turned, whatever. I had to have it, didn't I? I, I, had to, I, I was possessed by the... 
by the, the metal gods. And so oh. I had it, and I took it into this back room, and I hid it into this old upright piano in the back, like that. Isn't this naughty? This is bad. This is bad. All the things that uh, all the thing that KK, everything that KK is doing right now with passing the torch of rock and roll, making a new album. Yes, do that. Learn guitar, but stealing kids. Nicking, if you call it. In, 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 I, was there. I, was, I was just a poverty teenager. I thought, I've got to have this first pedal. I've got to have it. You know, and... Um, you took it. You got, got it. Did, now, it. How did you How did you plan the exit, though? There it is. Was that the one? That's the one. How beautiful is that? So <laughs> if you can find an original one of that, those... They're worth a lot of money these days. Bring I think you I can did. find one in a grand piano somewhere in I, the UK. I, I, I had it in, in the back, back of this upright piano, and I went back and got it for the next week, and I got it, you know, and I got it, and and I kept it, and and I played with it, and it was wonderful, but it didn't last very long because somebody stole it from ah! me. <laughs> It's the never-ending, the gift that keeps on. It's like herpes. It just can't, it passed itself on to another owner. I oh, my God, that fuzz face just kept it, going. I think that bastard who stole that off me, he doesn't even know it was Jimi Hendrix's, but, and he doesn't even know. I'm thinking what he's got, and I was, you know, I'll probably cry for a year, you know. But uh, anyway, that is, that is, what do you call it, karma? Yeah, a little bit. You know who I think it was? KK. I think Michael Shanker. I think Michael Shanker stole your fuzz face. I'm going to just put it out there right now. I think because you got his flying V, at the very original, he got his revenge by taking Jimi Hendrix's uh, fuzz face. Back in the day, guys, it was tough. It was hard going, you know, but like I say, it was, I I was so obsessed and, uh, but that's what happened, you know. Is that the only thing? Is that the only thing you shoplifted? You didn't mean shoplifted. You didn't. You you outright stole that because because it was at a show. I, I, but you know, you said he had a box of them, so he didn't probably miss it that much. No, no well, obviously this was later. Obviously, you know, um, when the band was formed, you know. So, but I felt sure. So, and <laughs> you know, I would. I wish it's sad that Noel's not around. I'd love to ask him, you know, to confirm that. But but anyway, that that's a rock and roll story, guys. It is now. We the went case through. of the missing fuzz face. We, we, we struggled a, a lot, you know. It was hard to uh, keep afloat, you know, for many years. You know, it was uh, it was tough going. I didn't have a... I had my first old banger of a car when I was 27 years old, you know. And, uh, and I was quite successful as a musician. We had albums out, you know, but, we, you know, it was tough. But so you've just got to grind it out, you know. You've got to... <laughs> You know, young musicians out there, stick at it and you'll get there in the end, you know. Um, so, so yeah, so all of this history, and, we, and we've talked about quite a lot, we've covered quite a lot, but it's quite quite interesting about the evolution of this very special music, you know. And, no uh, doubt, no doubt, and, and I want to talk about that that evolution. Um, of course, I'm going to talk a little bit more about some old stuff. Again, I'm I'm you know the the older days with 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 Judas Priest, but I also want to talk about this new evolution with KK's Priest and the new album that you are just putting out uh, right now called Sermons of the Sinner. Uh, perhaps there's a sermon about not stealing, and then you can include the fuzz face story in that in the next album, of course. But <laughs> I'm definitely. 
a sinner, you know. Um, but but, but you, this is, you know, you've put some uh, years of music a little on pause. I, I have no doubts that you've been playing your ass off in between, but, but you have putting releasing stuff out on pause. Um, do you intend now to sort of launch a second career with KK's priest and, and can fans hope for a series of albums in the coming years or, you know, is, is sermons of the sinner is that this is what I'm giving you or do you have a plan? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, there's already material there for a second album, so we just need to, obviously we're busy promoting and that, but, you know, if we have to wait till we go on tour again, as I said, we had shows booked this year and last year, we had some nice gigs booked, but that didn't happen, so we'll see what happens next year. Obviously, any gigs that come along, you know, we'll take priority if we can get some tours, you know, um, and I'm sure that we will. Well, I'll take priority, but uh, maybe during the winter months, uh, another album. And I would like to release another album next year and, and release two albums in one year. That is definitely a goal that I'm looking at, you know. Um, it's like the you, olden days. That, that would yeah, be almost yeah. like the olden days, huh? Yeah, <laughs> 79, I think we released two albums in one year. That's, uh, uh, that would be, uh, yeah, that's definitely on the cards for sure. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. Well, you know what? We're sitting about talking about the new, talking about the old. We're going to take a very quick break right now from one of our sponsors. And uh, I think we will go with our headphone sponsor that we have, Biodynamic, uh, because you're listening to me through the Biodynamic microphone. I don't know what you're uh, speaking through right now, but you sound very lovely, KK Downing. Uh, we will come back with a part two coming up right after this. Come on, Vic. Hello, folks. Roxy here. Hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. I'm very excited today to announce our newest sponsor, Biodynamic. They produce some of the industry's very best quality microphones and headphones, and that's why they're the perfect fit right here in the trenches. You're hearing my voice today through the great TG V70 microphone. This mic is perfect for any home studio, plus I get to use it on stage. I have paired the mic with the legendary Biodynamic Studio headphones, and they're called the DT770 Pros. These are amazing for analytical listening, Truly the most authentic sound experience I've ever had. So whether it's listening to a podcast or one of your favorite albums, I definitely recommend these. Treat yourself right with Biodynamic Gear, the gold standard in high fidelity. Now, let's get back to the podcast. All right, we are back and uh, we are actually, like I said, I'm trying to run things on a quick ship. Sometimes we just start talking and talking, but I know you got things to do today. So I'm going to get you... Uh, Getting all the important business out of there right now. Um, obviously, the new album. And a lot of these stories you're hearing, folks, um, you might not read them in your autobiography, Heavy Duty, Days and Nights in Judas Priest. Because I, I don't think you included the uh, Fuzzface uh, theft story in that album, in, the, in that book. But, uh, you know, what other stories did you not include in the book that you can't there's an awful lot, you know, I, I couldn't go into detail about everything, Roxy, because, uh, the, I mean, Brian, because um, the, oh, right. the, yeah, cool. the, like the book would have been this thick, I think, so <laughs> you know, I, I left some things out, you know, the theft and some things, but I did an awful lot of things, you know, um, growing up, and uh, maybe there's another book there, you know. Did you protect uh, some people? and Because did, did you protect some people and then... 
you know, just because you wanted to, you know, be a good guy and not give all the salacious details to certain things? Probably. You have to think twice when you actually, you know, agree to write a book, you know, otherwise you could uh, end up, definitely end up with the handcuffs on, you know, the, uh, the first page. Handcuffs. <laughs> but, no, uh, dude, the bus story is gone. You're not gonna get. You're not gonna get busted anymore. I'm telling you, the statute of limitations is done. The funny thing is, you know that it's sitting in somebody's either you know music collection or it's sitting yeah. in some sort of music store. Going, we have no idea. You know, it's I just an old piece of gear. There's probably a population in England of like first face thieves, you know, and I'm one of them. And, uh, and then, you know, it's, it's probably one of those things. It's like let's start a search for it. Let's 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 try and find it. Find KK's fuzz face, all right? Which is not really KK's fuzz face. It was somebody else's, but you know that what? Is, we'll call it yours. So that is so beautiful. <laughs> it brings back such treasured memories. But, somewhere um, in the UK. That's what we could say. And you know what? We can start with the UK because you've been in the UK this whole time. Um, for, for the most part, I mean, did you ever spend any time like most English rockers go, I'm getting out, I'm going to the sun. I want to live in LA. I want to live in New York. Like, yeah, or is- yeah I'm, I'm very lucky because we would, we would go on a world tour and pretty much wherever we finished, we would just maybe stay there. So um, I, I was in myself and Glenn stayed in Hawaii for about six months after one world tour. We were supposed to be songwriting, but we were, we didn't. We were out on the golf course and fishing and doing other things, you know. But uh, but you know, in Spain, I spent a lot. We spent a lot of time in Spain, um, uh, Florida, Arizona. So yeah, lots of cherished memories, you know, hanging out with our friends. But going home, to- main home, has always been the UK, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you think has held you in the UK for most of your life? What is it? I guess, well, obviously family, connections and stuff like that, you know, um, things hold you down. Uh, but I do consider, the good thing is, it's just a base anyway, Ryan, isn't it really, for yourself as well? Because you know how often, okay, COVID's here now, but you, we were always jumping on a plane and going here, there and everywhere, weren't we? You know, you need to feel like you world, foundation. the world becomes at home. And, and all the people in all the country were Argentina, Mexico, Chile, you know, Spain, Italy, Germany, all of these people and fans become our friends and, you know, and, and the world becomes, as a musician, uh, because world uh, music to me always has been, you know, um, the one common denominator, uh, call it a, a religion or a language, whatever you it's will. The unifier. It's the great unifier. Yeah brings everybody together so we are as one when we go on stage the audience wherever you are is the same because people are the same you know we have to realize that you know how can we convince politicians of that or how can we convince media of that that when you just come to just come to a kk's pre-show just come to an alice cooper show and you'll see that no matter what the diversity everybody can be united at some point I mean, I haven't played in I haven't played in in China yet, but I've been to uh, obviously Russia, you know, Eastern Bloc countries, Korea, lots of places, you know, and um, you know, it's all the same, you know. Let's face it, in every race, there's there's the good, bad, and and the ugly, you know, and fortunately, the ugly are the minority. Um, 
But, you know, when it comes to music, Ryan, we've seen our fans in so many different countries and everybody's the same. Everybody wants to enjoy themselves. Everybody wants to be good people. And, you know, and, 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 and like we say, uh, the music and the bands, you know, when we get together, it's, it's the same. People always ask us, don't they, you know, who's the, where's the best audience in the world? It's how do you answer that? You know, That's people, yeah. people yeah. Are, are, are consistent. Uh, that being said, um, KK, who's the best audience? No, I'm not going to ask that question. <laughs> but being that you do have like appeal to so many people from so many different countries, um, you're always very active. And the interviews online, like metal news outlets such as Brave Words and Blabbermouth, um, they pick up on more KK Downing updates than any other artist. I don't know if you knew that, but they're always picking up your stories. Maybe it's for that little salacious soundbite or, or maybe it's just for that little tidbit of information, uh, you know, of someone that's been through it all. Well, you know, one of the pioneers of metal uh, to, you know, sort of. Yeah. Um, but, but why do you think that is? What does that appeal? Well, I think that the fact that I'm, I think, Albeit my downfall when I actually do interviews and everything, and whatever I do, it's everything's from the heart and and it's and it's truthful, and that can get you into a lot of trouble as opposed to somebody that is very self-guarding and careful what they say, and is very picky about what subjects and where they go. You know, um, I'm very open, and like I say, if it gets me into trouble, it does. But you know, I can only speak from the heart and. Um, and say what I know to be accurate and true, and yeah. and, and and for that reason, I think it, it is sometimes you know people can you know bend a headline out of things that uh, were meant to be very genuine and 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 for the good, you know, of things. But um, so it can happen. You know, I appreciate you being as open and honest as you have with us today, admitting that you're a thief. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> but 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 honestly, all the stories, bringing these stories, <laughs> bringing all these stories uh, to the forefront that, you know, of these early days, all the way the evolution of priest, all the way up to the evolution of KK's priest. Um, we all look forward um, to this new record that is coming out and uh, that is Sermons of the Sinner. Um, I just want to say one more thing, because I'd love to have you back on when we have a little bit more time. I really appreciate you taking the time today to do this. Um, if anyone has has not you know found out and gone down that uh, KK rabbit hole? Don't don't go down the K hole. Go down the KK ra uh, Downing rabbit hole. The information to get in touch with you, I see it for those of you listening on the audio broadcast, is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at KK's Priest. And then your main website is what? KK'sPriest.com. There it is. So, I I mean we've heard a lot of amazing stories and words we'll get more next time you come on maybe somewhere down the road uh, kk's priest and alice meet up for another show and we end up on a t-shirt like you have on at one point um and perhaps we'll meet on the golf course someday soon again because we both we both share the love of golf right that would be fantastic as i said before you know um you know golf tennis whatever you know it's good to find that you know when there he is. And there he froze just a little bit. 
and uh, you get to see some of the beautiful places you get to visit uh, and meet a lot of nice people, you know. And it's great to have a nice cold beer after a hot, sweaty round of golf. <laughs> it's a lot of fun to a lot of people, but trust me, it's good. It is. It is. I'm trying to convince some people of that right now. That's a great picture. Have you ever played around with the coop? No, no, but Glenn did. I, I know uh, because Alice used to get up very, very early in the morning and play. Yeah. And, um, that and, wasn't your jam. That was not your yeah, jam. That was not me, you know. I mean, <laughs> you know, but you know what? Next time, next time we're out there, I'm going to take you out. We'll get up a, at a decent hour. We'll, we'll play 18 and we'll have a good time. I look forward to that and we'll have you on the podcast again. Absolutely. Golf is it's difficult enough when you're awake, let alone when you're asleep. So that's my excuse. You've given us some great uh, stories. Uh, any parting sort of words of wisdom from one of the, uh, you know, more influential metals, metal heads, metal heads of uh, our time? Uh, any words that you can give our audience that, that you live by? Yeah. yeah, I'd just like to say to everyone, thank you so much for being, you know, uh, with us on this journey. Uh, for me, it's been like 50 years, you know, wherever you got on. You know, um, thank you for your support and uh, and thank you for your patience through this time we're going through with the pandemic. But we're going to come out of it and we're going to see you out there on tour and KK's Priest. We're really looking forward to playing some killer shows for you. And, um, yeah, I'd like everyone to check out the record. It's honest. It's what I do naturally. You know, the whole record came about really quite easy for me to do. And uh, and I really hope everybody um, likes the songs and 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 everything about this uh, classic and true metal album. And, uh, and let's keep this music alive and going for as long as we possibly can. Thank you very much, KK Down. We really appreciate you being in the trenches. And uh, next week, we will start putting up our guests right now. That's right. Next week's guest is going to be Dennis D. Young from Sticks and now on his own. That's Dennis D. Young. Make sure you check it out. There you go, Vic. And uh, you have been watching KK Downing from KK's Priest. And he has another, you know, former band that you might have heard of as well. But of course, all these stories and more, you can check out the rebroadcast of In the Trenches, all on our Ryan Roxy official YouTube channel. KK Downing, it's been a pleasure having you on In the Trenches. We'll see you, man. Thank you, Ryan. We'll see you on the road, buddy. Until next time, folks, enjoy the ride. In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello. Moby, give him his guitars back.